Flyers Daily with Jason Mertidis. Here we go. It is a brand new Flyers Daily. It's a Monday edition, which means Mondays with Meltzer. Flyers Daily is presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Joining us from PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. Once again, it is Bill Meltzer. Bill, how are you? Did you enjoy the the first week of the NHL season? Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, watch at least two games every day since uh, since season started. So it's been, uh, you know, it's just nice to have it back. Yeah, to go without and then to go with. Yeah, I like going with. For sure, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Uh, We're going to get to some Twitter questions um, in just a couple of moments. Real quick, though, I just want to mention to people that if you're perhaps going to the game tomorrow, the game, just to remind everybody, has been moved up to 6 o'clock. It's going to be quite the busy night down at the sports complex. The Flyers will now be at 6. Doors will open 90 minutes prior. A block party will begin at, what, 3 o'clock? 3 o'clock, yeah. And then... You'll have the, the Phillies game at 8.07, I believe, and an international soccer match between Germany and Mexico, I think, at 7.30 at Lincoln Financial Field. So it'll be a festive atmosphere, an internationally festive atmosphere, uh, to say the least. So make sure you get down there early, enjoy it. And if you're listening to this in the morning here on Monday, you can also join us at Wells Fargo Center coming up this morning. Doors will open, I think, at 10.30 for an 11 o'clock practice, a rare practice, Bill, at the uh, Wells Fargo Center to kind of introduce the players to the new uh, event level makeover that took place. Yeah, it usually usually there's one a season, which is is done on uh, the, the day the team photo was taken. But this is this is for the layout of you know show all the renovations that took place at uh, at an event level, the new locker room and all that. This should be exciting. Yeah, they did a ton of work. I remember going a couple of probably about eight weeks ago at this point with Brian Smith, and I was looking at it going. This is going to be done on time. Yeah. <laughs> it was, there wasn't even metal studs up at that point, but they've really been working hard and got it done. And uh, can't wait to see that reveal. I'm sure the players will be thrilled with the new locker room and, and all the bells and whistles and amenities that go with it. Uh, Bill, two games are in the book. And, you know, maybe these two games are some kind of microcosm of this, what this season will be. Yeah. I don't want to take too much from two games. Like, I didn't want to take too much from a 4-2 win over Columbus in the opener. And I don't want to take too much from a 5-2 loss against Ottawa in their home opener. You know, how do you look at the two games in total uh, now that you've had time to reflect on it? I, I would say that the, you know, the, the two games have been played so far. I, I, I do think to some degree, I think you can expect some of that Jekyll and Hyde over the course of the season, I, I, it's, you know, I think with the number of young players in the team, sometimes, you know, sometimes finding balance and things that work, that, that takes some time into the season too. Um, you know, I, I think we discussed this this last time around. I think sometimes early in the season, um, games tend to get a little bit magnified because it's been a while since, since the team played. And, uh, you know, but it, it's not football. It's not baseball. It's uh, it, you know, it, it's something where you know it's it's not a playoff series. It's something where you know it, it builds over the course of a season, over a, a number of months. So I don't I don't think you can get too high or too low. Um, and that being said, you know you you obviously want to get off to a quick start. I think it's important for the Flyers to get off to a relatively decent start too. But listen, and you know nobody nobody remembers the Flyers set a really nice record in October last year, and um, you know it, it it kind of plays out over a season. So 
you know, don't read too much into it. Um, by the same token, there there's things that, that were pretty encouraging in the first game. And in the second game, it was a little bit of a reality check as to, you know, there's a lot of things to work on, too. Yeah. And PK is going to be one of those things against yeah. the team in Ottawa that's got some – I mean, that was the eighth-ranked power play in the NHL a year ago. You just cannot put that team continually on the power play. And you saw, Bill, you know, a lot of the – some of the calls – I. I thought were questionable. I don't. I do not like questioning officials because I think it does all balance out in the year. But I didn't like the Couturier call. Yeah. I, yeah. I did not like the Travis Sanheim call even a little bit yeah. because I mean to me that's just two players colliding and he's entitled to that real estate because the player was skating backwards and didn't see him and fell. That's shouldn't be on him. But you know, with that being said, you go on the PK. You still got to improve in that area. They have a lot of penalty killers now, Bill. Yeah, um, but they got to find the right combinations of those penalty killers to be effective. No, absolutely, and, and um, also the degree in the power play too. They have a lot of guys that have played power play at some level, in many cases in the NHL level, and you're finding you're finding you know what works. Um, I, I think for a large part the PP one, you know they they have uh, like you know Couturier in the middle and Atkinson guys who've got a, a ton of power play experience. Yeah, connect um, me. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but I, but I think that as the season moves along, there, there will be, there will be adjustments. Um, and and uh, it's, it's finding, it's finding a rhythm, you know, power, people always talk about the rhythm of a power, but there's, there's rhythm in a penalty kill too. Yep. And, um, you know, it, it takes a while to find, I mean, I think in, in the preseason, there was only one game where I think the Flyers didn't give up uh, at least one power play goal. Um and I mean, it, again, it, it takes time to come together. And it, it worked. It worked in the Columbus game. Um, you know, they, they got burned repeatedly by Ottawa. But uh, you know, but but I think that it's uh, it's going to be a work in progress for a while. Um, which would I'd really like to see at the end of the year? Um, well, it's obviously improvement on both ends of special teams. Again, last year at Christmas time, around New Year's, the Flyers' power play was a was a bright spot. They were over eighty percent, and then it kind of just went south in the second half, and the final numbers looked pretty rough. So, so even over the course of a couple of months, that that can change. Um, you know, I'd like to see the Flyers with a bunch of guys who who have some PK experience. They've, you know, they they've almost scored a shorthanded goal a couple times actually in the first couple of games, and they were Flyers were one of the better shorthanded scoring teams a year ago. Um, you know, uh, um, uh, Lawton pulled out the paralyzer move in the first game, yeah. and uh, that that particular time it didn't work. But you know, he'll he'll score on those because he, he's proven he can score on those. So you know, you, you take the good with the bad in the first couple of games. Not very much went right. Um, you could kind of count on your fingers that they, the, the real bright spots from the second game, but you know, you have to, you have to put it aside and, and focus on the next one. Um, and uh, at this point, the, uh, at this point, the auto game should be in the rear view mirror. And you're focusing on Tuesday. Yeah. I, I think you make a good point when you talk about, especially in the beginning of the season, games are magnified because, you know, as sports fans, we're kind of in the moment of where the sports calendar is too. So right now in baseball, with the Phillies being alive, every pitch has so much consequence. 
a baseball season is 162 games. Right. And in June, it doesn't feel like there's a whole heck of a lot of consequence. And then in the NFL, there's always consequence because there's only 17 games. And now you want to translate that over to hockey and it's early season. Um, it's hard to kind of separate your sports mentality going into these games. But, yeah. you know, some guys, Bill, that we've talked about that we wanted to get off to a good start and I thought had pretty decent preseasons um, have been off to a little bit of a quiet start maybe is the term for it. And, and the three guys that I look at in particular is I look at Tippett, I look at Frost, and I look at Lawton to some extent. I didn't notice Lawton a whole heck of a lot in that game against uh, the Ottawa Senators. And that that's a game where I, I expect him to be omnipresent um, yeah. with a lot of what they throw at you. Um, but those guys, just a little bit quiet here to start the year. Not yeah, panic, for sure. Quiet, for sure. You know, and and I'd add, I'd add Noah Cates to that too because I agree. He, he's only one shot attempt in the first two games, and, and yeah. given that, uh, given he's playing a little more expanded offensive role this year, and he's been regular on the power play, I'd like to see a little bit more from Cates too. But he's just part of a group of players that that all fits in, and you know, even within that group of guys, they've had their moments. Um, you go to the you go to the, the Blue Jackets game. Think of the play where uh, Tippett grabs the puck off a defensive faceoff and rushes it himself uh, up, up the length of the ice, takes it to the net. You know that 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 looks like the Tippett of last year. Um, there was a, a play with Frost on uh, late late minutes in Ottawa where he shook free from a defenseman, came within an inch of scoring, and, and drew a drew a penalty on the play. Although he didn't score, so there've been there've been little moments here and there. You, you know. But you need to see more than moments. You need to see that with some regularity. Uh, I can add Farabee to that, too. Farabee had that really nice uh, give-and-go goal, to the first goal of the season. Um, I thought a really promising game uh, against Columbus and then a really quiet game uh, uh, against Ottawa. So it's a lot of guys who you need to have a big year. Um, goes back to our original point here that if you have two back-to-back -back quiet games in January, nobody even notices it because yeah. There's a half a season's body of work at that point. Um, but in the early season, it gets magnified. It feels like you're never going to score, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That being said, it is important to get some of those guys going pretty quickly. Yeah, no question. There's two guys in particular that I look at. And we're going to get to Twitter questions in just a second. There's two guys that I look at in particular. And Bill, if you've heard me say it once, you've heard me say it a thousand times is I don't listen to what a coach says. I listen to, I listen to usage yep. of players and the two players to me that exemplify this best on defense. It's Travis Sanheim and all situations player. We were wondering who's going to eat a lot of the Ivan Provorov minutes so far. That's been Sanheim. And I think he's fared pretty darn well, other than the pocket pick that he had from Claude Giroux at the end of that second period. And then the other one is Sean Couturier, who played, I think, 23 minutes in the first game, played 20 on the button in the second game, yeah. played about nine minutes of special teams in total in that game against Ottawa, and showing once again both of these players that they're all situations players and very important pieces for this team. Without a, you know, without a doubt, um, Couturier's, Couturier's first game was exceeded my expectations. Honestly. Big time. He, he, was, he was he was so good in that Columbus game. Looked like he hadn't skipped a beat. Um, you know the Ottawa game. The Ottawa game. It's hard. It's almost hard to assess anybody because it was it was, it was so collectively. You know so they were so collectively outplayed as a team, and, and so it makes it hard to look at this guy or, or that guy individually. 
But I, I think I think in the whole, the two games, I mean, Couturier has been been good. He's been, you know, he's been a positive. Um, Atkinson more in the first game than the second, but but him too, him too. Um, you know, and and Sanheim, it, I, I think I think it's important that you don't let one bad play, even though that's the, that's the situation where you can't get stripped of the puck. Yeah. That, that that's the difference between going to the third period down by one goal versus down by two, and that just just can't happen that situation. But you know when when you're skating 25, 30 shifts of a ga- in a game or whatever it might be on a given night, you can't get too caught up in one play and one shift. You got to look at the, the body of work as a whole. Yeah. Uh, that that's typically when when coaches assess they're looking at the body of work over a number of shifts over different situations a guy plays. And I think so far, Sandheim's done really well. And particularly the first game, but both games, honestly. Yeah, he looks like a player that's playing with some leadership on his on his shoulders, too. That That's what it looks yeah. like to me. Like, you know, you just feel that, like, the way he's going about the game, the amount of minutes he's absorbing, and and obviously the usage speaks to that. All right, let's go to our uh, uh, Twitter questions, some Ask Billy questions. Tyler Barton starts us off uh, with a great question. He says, do you think Torts – We'll stick with one game in, one game out with Brink and Forster, or eventually just run with the hot hand. Well, the one thing we don't know, Bill, is how you know injuries may play into this, um, how each player is playing. Yeah. If somebody gets the hot hand, they'll stay in. Um, but uh, for now, that that's the way you know we've opened things up in this camp. But we'll see where it goes from here. If Rasmus Ristolainen is able to come back, they are going to have to make a roster move. Is that a defensive roster move? Does that come off, you know, a forward? How does that play out? But uh, right now, it's not something that I'm overly concerned with because if it's if Forster's in and Brink's out, I mean, who would you who would you take out for Brink if it's yeah. not Forster at this point? Right, right, and and, and there's no there there are ways you could do it. I mean, uh, since they're both wingers, you know, and they both need to play in the top nine. Neither guy is a is a fourth line candidate, you know. But uh, like, the, I don't think there's an inclination in in the immediate future to to break up the uh, the paling line, you mm-hmm. know, with with Hathaway and Delaurier. Um, I I would think maybe as the season moves along, um, you know, like Delaurier is not a kid anymore. You know, so maybe maybe Delorier sits a few nights over the course of a season. Um, Lawton's a guy who can play anywhere in the lineup. Yeah, you can move so, him down and have him know, kill penalties. And, and a and a Lawton paling Hathaway line's not a not a bad fourth line at all. Yeah. So maybe on some nights you see that, and you could get you know, on that night you could get both Brink and Forster, just just as an example. So there are ways to do it, but I think in the early going of the season they will rotate a little bit. I, I do. Th- um, it's a hunch. It's not based on anybody telling me anything, but I would not be surprised when if when Ristolainen comes back, uh, if if Andre goes down to that point, no no waivers required. Yep. Um, could could use the all situations and minutes and so so on and so forth. It's his first season in North America, so if he goes down for a few months. It's you know no harm done. So. I wouldn't be surprised if that situation kind of resolves, but I, I don't think there's, I don't think they're close to a decision yet on, on Brink versus force or one or the other. So um, I, I performance will dictate, I think a little bit of that too. I should dictate a lot of it and we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I, I thought Brink was quite good in the opener. 
Um, I thought Zamoum had a lot of good plays in the opener too. And it was, it was really, it was a predetermined thing, obviously before the road trip, they were going to split the games. And I think it will, you know, that that'll continue for a little while, but I don't see it going too long-term. Yeah. As you get to towards Thanksgiving and and December, I think those things will, will play themselves to the, where they should be. Yeah. I thought Zamula was very strong in the first game. I mean, he, he makes that breakup on the first goal, defending the blue line. You know, one of his assets is reaching that stick, and he makes yeah. a tremendous read on the blue line. Flyers end up with the 2 on 0 with Couturier and Farabee, and they bury it. Um, you know, the other thing, too, I, I was really – one of my takeaways against Ottawa with Forster was the 5-on-3 and where they positioned him. He's always going to, I think, for the most part on power plays, be positioned on that left side with the right-hand shot to get that one-time shot a la the Alex Ovechkin spot, but they opted on that five on three to really run it from low to high. They had two guys below the goal line at one point and they had him up on the high right side. And, you know, for me, Bill, tell me if you agree or or what you saw, but to me, that's to get him the puck with his head up and have him survey for options. And if he doesn't have a lot of options, use his greatest weapon, which is that shot and get it through to the net, make it hot to handle for the goalie. Cause you know, Travis, Travis Konechny's right there and slams home a rebound when he recognized, I don't have a distribution route here. Let me just fire this pill on the net. And Konechny picked up the loose change. Yeah, I I, I think that, that that's run, run the nose there. And you want to – during the preseason, um, the one area where I thought Forster did struggle was in the power play. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't really making himself a target. Uh, if he was getting the one time, he was missing the net. You know, a little too uh, we, static, right? Not moving right. enough to, to make right. yourself an option. Yeah. And, and so you move them, you move them down low, move them behind the net. Um, mm-hmm. His passing game has always been underrated anyway. He, he's actually a, a pretty darn good passer. Everybody thinks of his shot, and I understand why. But this way, uh, this way, you just get him in a different spot. You know, you, you're thinking process as much as anything else. I don't know, five on three, you know, plays have to develop quickly anyway. The worst thing that could happen on a Five on threes in the power play in general, but a five on three. When five on threes fail, it's inevitably because the team is too static. And, um, and so I, I, I thought it was, it was a nice play getting getting the puck out in front, um, get some get some some confidence, and then, you know then, then you kind of go from there. Um, you know I, I wouldn't object to using one on a four on three as well. Yeah. And we actually saw that in the game, too. And these are yeah. clearly things they have not worked on in practice yeah. at this point yeah. so early. Um, Mark Arnone tweets in and says, oh, we got a couple Carter Hart questions here. And he says, uh, if Hart was going to play the first four games or so, why not send Arison down to get some games in with the Phantoms? Now, they began their season on Saturday, and they're carrying three goalies right now. Uh, but why not send Arison down and let him get, let him get a game uh, with the Lehigh Valley fans, but to me, Bill, I look at that and go, it's a symbolic thing just as much as anything else. Yeah, he earned the backup spot. He's the backup goaltender. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know when you get to back to back games and you know, three and fours and the schedule compacts, where even if you're not playing those, you're playing a lot of you know, every other night. He'll get his games. He'll get his games. Uh, you know, we're, we're two games into the season. If if he's sitting for a month, then I then I would be all in favor of you get him a, a couple games with the Phantoms, as long as the schedule works out that way. You know, I, I don't want him taking the road trip to to Belleville and Toronto and 
you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah, I just, I, I don't, you know, I don't think that, that that's called for right now. But uh, I, but, but he'll get his work. Uh, my, my thoughts on this would change if he were to sit for a really long period of time. Well, like I think we see like, him for the his first game coming up on Saturday against yeah. Dallas. So I think Hart obviously gets the home opener. I think Hart gets Edmonton on Thursday, yeah. and then I think they give Harrison Saturday against Dallas on the road. That see seems that sure. logical to me. And, and then you get Vegas after that. That'll be hard to go against the Stanley Cup champs. Um, another goalie question comes in, um, and this is an interesting one. Uh, Harry's Lacey, Harris Lacey, excuse me. He says, Carter Hart seems to be more confident handling the puck, which has been one of his deficiencies. He said, will he learn to freeze the puck more at important moments where his rebounds lead to bad situations? He said, I believe that Erson does this well and is a big reason towards likes him. Um, first he got burned on the play in preseason when the puck really skidded off the dasher plate yeah. and got into his feet and ended up in the back of the net. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a really good puck handler. He has looked though more decisive here in the regular season. And really when it comes to handling a puck for a goalie, there, there are like technical elements to it and positioning elements where, you know, if a goaltender goes around behind the net to stop a rim, and he goes around on his glove side. So the left side, that's the post he rotates on. When you get that puck, you want to rotate to that back post. Yeah. Because now you've got a couple things for you. The ice is opened up. You're on your forehand. You can go to either side, and you're using the net as protection. And it's the furthest path from which the, the forecheck is likely coming. Um, that's, some, that's just a little element of it. But he has looked decisive in playing the puck. And, you know, it's just about that six or eight foot pass to your D peeling into the corner. You never want your players to come to you. Um, that's something that has to develop over time too. The yeah. D recognizing where he wants them to be. No, for sure. And there's a, um, you know, it's a communication. He's got an assist on the season too, Billy. He, he did <laughs> on, on, on the empty netter. Uh, when, yeah. when, 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 I mean, it, it looked, it looked like uh, Provorov could hold it in actually. Yeah. I uh, went right by him, and then, then you have a, an easy empty netter for uh, for Atkinson. So yes, he, he so he's he's on the score sheet. Um, you know, raise your hand if you thought Carter Hart would have a point, and you know before before a guy like Tippett, you know, yeah. it's funny. But um, yeah, I, I I think I think the biggest the biggest area, and you just alluded to it, um, is you you know, you stop the puck when it goes around the kick plate because if you don't stop it, then you gotta you know. Then you got a world of trouble a lot of times. And you know, people people remember the turn. You know, if you turn it over behind the net, obviously that's that leads to uh, you know an empty net goal essentially many times, and that's the play that stands out. But a lot of times, simply just stopping the puck behind the net, setting it up for your D, or making them making that short pass, and then you're out. And that, yep. that's a that's, that's such a fundamental thing. And I think I think Carr's aware of that. I think he's worked a ton on it. Uh, have seen improvement on it, and hopefully that continues. Yeah, you just have to be decisive. Yeah, as soon as you start to go, okay, where am I going to go? Then yeah. you're in a real troublesome situation. As far as uh, Harris Lacey's other question about freezing pucks, now this is a double-edged sword for me. You know, this is situational hockey at its highest level, in my opinion. If a team is on you and they're hemming you in. Yes, you slow the game down. Or when a certain line is on the ice and the matchup doesn't benefit you, whether it's on the road or, you know, the McDavid line's out against the Delarier line and you don't want that matchup, yeah, you freeze the puck 
get a new line out and do the whole thing. But there are times in games where freezing the puck is not to your advantage. For instance, when you're a team with the momentum and you have the opposition on their heels, even though it's in your zone, you want to keep that puck moving, especially in a second period with a long change. You can really catch a team in a in a position. So it's one of those things you have to read uh, throughout a game and and, you know, just just the the notion of, hey, just cover it to slow it down is not always the best situation. Let's get to this question from uh, Anthony Giampaolo. This is a great question, too. I'll tell you, these people that ask questions, hey, it's a great question. He says, who is the one guy that's off to a great start but is not reflected on the stat sheet yet? And when I think about that, Bill, I go, okay, who's off to a really good start but, you know, hasn't shined? And, you know, like, when you look at Konechny, he's all over the stat sheet. Yeah. And that's obvious. To me, the guy, I mean, he's got a goal. But Cam York has looked very, very calm and poised. And it looks like his game has matured a big level in the offseason. And that's not because he scored the goal and the nice little touch pass with Konechny. It's the way that he's handled the puck in the neutral zone and the D zone for Uh, me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Getting the puck um, through the neutral zone and breaking out of your own zone. I mean, it's something the Flyers struggled with habitually last year. Um, you know, it's a vital area of improvement. And one of the things that I thought he's been really good at in both games, and I think particularly notably in the Ottawa game, because that the Flyers were under under a pretty aggressive forecheck all game, and he stayed very poised uh, under forechecking pressure and made good decisions with with where to go with the puck. Um, so uh, I've really, I've really liked almost almost all his shifts so far you know nothing nothing's perfect but I, I i really i really have liked both games so far from new york uh to me he was to me he was probably the brightest spot um in, in the second game in ottawa i thought he was consistently pretty darn good um and that pairing has been good so that's been that to me yeah i you know the, there there was the one goal so far but uh, that that to me is, has been a, a positive standout you can even you know not even looking at points. Kevin Obert tweets in and says, uh, Emil Andre has had a solid game and looks like a good fit on the D. We talked about him earlier. That if Ristolainen comes back, he could be an all-situations player with the Phantoms further helping his development. But yeah. um, he said also, should Cam York get more looks on PP1 over Travis Sanheim? I don't think Sanheim's looked bad in that situation, but to me, the future guy and – really the present guy, will be Cam York. I think some of those looks were because the power play started when Cam York was at the end of a shift. Yeah. Yeah, and that 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 can, uh, you know, or you're or you're just killing a penalty and now you're, yeah. now you're just on the power play and, you know, that, that can that can certainly affect things. I think I think as they go further into the year, York will, will and should be the, the PP1 guy. Um, that's kind of always been the role he's been – been kind of groomed to play. So I think, I think he'll do that. Um, you know, Sandheim PP two, maybe, you know, and I think eventually Andre will be a, a PP guy. So I'm not yeah, sure Sandheim long-term is a PP guy. Um, well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how all that plays out. Um, I, I thought Andre, he competed and he had some moments that looked good in Ottawa. I, it looked to me like, like many defensemen look in their first NHL game and, 
you know, like a young defenseman. I, you know, I, I, I thought he had some ups and some downs, um, you know, a couple decisions under, under pressure. They weren't panicky, but there was maybe another play he could have made. I thought so, he jumped the blue line, defending the blue line a couple of times that caused yeah. kind of odd man rushes. Yes, yes. Um, so, uh, you know, you, you take the good and the bad of this first game. It, it didn't jump out at me either in most of the preseason, with the exception of the one game against Jersey, where I thought he was excellent except for one mistake. Um, but I, he hasn't jumped out to me. This guy belongs in the NHL right now. I, I have to be honest about that. I, yeah. I, 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 even in the playoffs last year with the Phantoms, it did jump out to me. This guy's just beyond the AHL. You know, he's he wouldn't benefit. You know, he, 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 there's not too much he could gain here. He belongs in the NHL right now. I, I, I think that um, while he could hold his own in the NHL, I think he could benefit from some time with the Phantoms. Just being honest. Bill, one thing he does well, though, he finds a way to get his shot off and get it to the net. Yeah, he yeah, finds a lane. Did, yeah, he did that in the first. He did that in Ottawa. His, yeah. The first, yeah. first out of the game was from him. Connect, he yeah. tipped it. Yeah, yeah. And, and they and goaltender had to come up with a really good save, but he has ability. Again, this all stems from him. I swear, with it, it's just his head up and his awareness. Yeah. His head up and he's surveying and he's going, okay, how can I get the puck to? you know, the blue paint and Konechny's there net front again. I mean, you don't think a net front with Travis Konechny, uh, but he gets his goal that way. He gets a deflection on that one as well. Um, let's get to uh, FE rest 10 says, is it time to lump Joel Farabee in the group of players with something to prove? He said he doesn't pass the eye test. I test for me more there. Um, yes, it is. I, I, I never, I didn't, I don't think I took Joel Farabee out of the, a player with more to prove, especially coming off of, and it's not just last year, it's the year prior. Yeah. Two years ago in the shortened season, played 55 games, he had 20 goals. Um, the year pri- after that, didn't have as great of an offensive output season. And then last year, we understand some of the reasons why coming off the, the late surgery in June. Um, but to me, he is a player that should be playing with the chip on his shoulder with something to prove. Absolutely. Yeah, and then we we kind of discussed it uh, at the top when we were going through. Uh, you know, I I really liked Joel's first game uh, against Columbus, and then I, I would have liked him to see a little bit more involved, a little more effective in the Ottawa game. And the biggest the biggest thing with with the uh, Farabee and all the guys we mentioned is you want to see that consistency. Um, I think I think it's very very important for Joel Farabee to have a consistently good season so um yeah i mean certainly certainly he, he has something to prove right in that group with all the other guys we mentioned yeah um let's get to f- two last ones and uh some fun ones here joseph schumacher at joe show four says fun question what flyers moment from their history still gives you goosebumps he said mine so we can't take this one bill keith primo's shorthanded goal in game six versus tampa at home the legend of Keith Primo continues to grow. It's a great one. Um, but what Flyers moment in history still gives you goosebumps? And I'm going to take another one out of the equation. You cannot go J.J. Daniel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Six against Edmonton. So yeah. What's another one that gives it for you? Um, all right. I'll take Primo's five overtime goal in Pittsburgh. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's a perfect shot right under the crossbar. Tugnut, Tugnut or any goalie wasn't going to stop that one. You know, you, after you play that much hockey, you know, a lot of times games end, a puck goes off of a skate, a weird bounce. That's that how you. That's far how you down, end. man. That yeah. was a shot. Far down. That's that's how you end it. So and you heard uh, the thump, and the crowd yeah. was just like, "Yeah, hey, the, the, the air went out." Of the, and also, you know, and I hope I'm hoping I'm not taking yours, but the uh, also Ronix. Now, that whole overtime against Toronto. Yep. In, in two thousand. Just, just nonstop. Yeah, Kapanen crawling yep. to the bench. Yeah. It was actually Primo who reeled him in and pulled him onto the bench yeah. so they could Fishing finish the line change. Um, and it was just nonstop action, and the the building in Toronto just going nuts, and then dead silent. I mean, you could hear a pin drop after you know after Ronick's goal. <laughs> Honestly, since we've all been on both sides of those moments, you could you know you can understand how, how the Toronto side fell, but it feels a lot better. It feels a lot better watching it when you know when it's your side that comes out on top. So I I, I put those I put those up there. I'll put something recent up there, um, and it was the Wells Fargo Center. It was Game Five in 2010 against the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, the Mike Richard shift. Oh. I mean, yeah, that place, Bill. Abs- to me, that's the closest thing I've felt to the Daniel goal. I wasn't in the building for the Daniel goal. My mom and dad were section R, row seven. My mom came home with a splitting headache. She said it was the loudest thing she's ever heard. But the Mike Richards shorthanded goal where he dives and is able to get back up, collect that puck and put it in the net behind uh, Halak was just something that I, nobody saw coming and it was just such an eruption of Holy cow. We win this. We're going to the cup final after getting in only yoking in and Boosh making the save and, firing of john stevens in december and lobby coming in like yes. that moment to me yeah. oh still to this Co- day coming back from three and oh against boston yeah you know and and yes at, at that moment when when um richard scores that goal and it's an open end at that point yeah it took a great play to, to get to that point yeah you know he was like oh my god you know they're going to the finals they're going yeah. to the finals yeah you know so. And they did the history will be made where they did it backwards. Yeah. What if Mike Richards didn't score the end, yeah. the shorthanded? It, it, it was just awesome. It hit on all elements. And to this day, and, you know, I think a big part of the reason why I still get the goosebumps today is because, you know, Richie, like he was a very subdued guy off the yeah. ice. And the celebration of him, like, like he yeah. just could not <laughs> believe it. What just happened and how dramatic it was 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 just off the charts. I mean, to this day, I love that moment that he provided us. All right. Last question, Bill, here on Twitter questions. And, you know, I love these, you know, fun questions that we get and, you know, talking about great moments like that and and all that stuff. Although Eric does, uh, Flyer Eric does ask anywhere on what the Flyers' new goal song will be. I, I don't know. Do you know what that might be? By uh, chance? I, I, I don't. Yeah. Uh, it's not something I tend to think about a whole heck of a lot. Give me like crazy train or whatever. Um, but the last question came from Darian Thatcher at Flyers Goose. He said, what would a run to the playoffs look like? He said they need to get at least 90 points. So another 15 point improvement under torts. What else would need to go right? said, I've heard all the pessimism in the world, 
would love a little positivity and no more tanking BS. Well, the tanking stuff is not going to happen. But I I don't know, Bill, that I can put my brain in a mode of thinking what they need to do or who needs to do what yeah. to get to 90 plus points and make a playoff. Like I just I'm not ready to even think about going there. I, I love the 82 and living it and and the ups and downs and the heartbreak, the great wins and the heartbreaking losses and the anger and the frustration and elation, all that go into an 82 game season. So I'm just not ready to go there. I can't go there yet. Um, so I'm sorry to not be able to provide, you know, some great positive for you. I think this team's moving in the right direction. I really believe that. Yeah. But I can't go there yet. Yeah. And, and, and um, you know, I guess first a little reality check. Then, but then we'll go. Well, then we'll turn to the positive. Um, I, I think you need more about more about ninety five points to yeah. get in the playoffs. The way the things have been going, so yeah. you can, so you're you're talking about a, a twenty point improvement to to contend for the eighth playoff spot. That's just the, how the math. Now who's going to drop out too? Is the question? Right. You know, yeah. Like I, like I look at look. We saw that team in Ottawa. Like that's a good hockey team. Right. They may fight to get, just get in. Yeah. Exactly. They'll, they'll be around that 95, 97, maybe yeah. 98 point season. Um, and 98 doesn't even guarantee you're going to be a home ice team. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, it's tough. It, it, it's very competitive. It's very hard. Um, so, I, you know, I, I want to see them continuously improve and then let the chips fall where they may. Um, the positivity, honestly, is that uh, I, I think that the forward group is deeper than they're giving credit for. It's not Agreed. elite, but it's deep. Agreed. Um, I think goaltending is is a, is a positive for the team. Organizationally, um, I, th- I believe. Yeah, Cole, yeah, and, and system depth too. Yeah, there, there are players that are you know some top quality prospects in, in the system, and they're there to look forward to you know in, in years to come. Some some like Gote might be here by the end of the season, so give you the you know little taste of what they can do for the uh for the future um but i i think that and again we'll go to the guys we mentioned at the top the tippets and the kates and the frost and those guys who broke through last season i mean uh, to me it would be a huge positive those guys took the next step forward um you know a two game sample again it's just it's two games in the long season and you can't really draw any conclusions off of any of that um just just to see them settle in take a little bigger Bite even you know, even beyond what they did last year, um, start to start to become more part of the leadership group moving forward. I mean, that to me is positives, and the potential is there for for all those things. Um, you know, if, if you get to ninety points or ninety five points, that would be fantastic. Uh, I'm looking more at the the question of, you know, will will this season take the things that they did last year in terms of how hard they play every game and being, uh, a, you know, being a hard, a hard out, whether you win or whether you lose, uh, you have to start with that. Cause that's something that was accomplished last year and then take the next steps from there. Uh, Torts mentioned it as part of developing leadership group for yeah. the, with the young guy stepping forward. I think that's critical. I think he, I think he hits that right in, you know, hits it now right in the head with that. Um, and then, and then just, taking the next step forward when you really know who your core is and 
Then when the, the Gautiers come, the Michkovs come, and hopefully you start developing a, a long a long term plan on the blue line too. That's you know, so uh I don't know how much of that can be done all all at once, all in one year. But you you can see you can see the steps uh that have been taken. You can see the potential to keep moving forward from there. So there there, there are there are positives and, and things that could you know, could work out for them by the end of the year. Yeah, and then you see, you know, the development of a bonk, you see the development yeah. of an Emil Andre, and you see a rising cap world where they can get back into the mix and 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 those things. And you can see the path. The problem the, the thing now is, you know, sticking to and executing the proper path to get back there. And um, ultimately, time will tell. All right, great stuff. Uh, remember, you can get a Flyers practice today. Uh, get there at 1030, 11 o'clock practice at Wells Fargo Center. Open practice for the fans. And then tomorrow night, game at 6, block party at 3. Uh, doors 90 minutes prior. It's going to be a great Philadelphia sports week. We get tomorrow night, home opener. You know, you get that, all, all the – Great stuff in Vancouver and Rick Tockett coming to town. Elias Patterson, Quinn Hughes, Thatcher Demko. Thursday, you get, I mean, one of the greatest spectacles in sport and Connor McDavid coming to town. And then this weekend, it's Dallas and Vegas. And we are underway in the hockey season. Rebuilds work at PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, NHL.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. And join us tomorrow yeah, for another brand new edition. We'll preview flyers vancouver for the home opener and much more everybody have a great monday we'll talk to you tomorrow on a brand new flyers daily tell me why i don't like mondays tell me why i don't